All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 13 of the Rethink Movement. Uh, three weeks in a row during this crazy time. So we're both pretty, uh, pretty happy with that. So joined by Adrian. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Good. Good to, good to be back on. Very much Get so. Another, another podcast out of the way on this, uh, in these interesting times. Very interesting. Um, so today we've got a couple questions. Um, so I think we're just going to systematically go through and address them. Uh, just, you know, a bit of an informal q and I guess. Um, yep. So the questions were uh, back pain and marching packs in the army. Um, uh, tips for new grads and must-read books. And there was another one on uh, periodization versus programming. Uh, and I asked for some clarification and, and didn't get any back. So we might leave that one for another day. All right, so we'll start with the Army one. Now, you did a little bit of work uh, with the ADF at one point, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, so I was, yeah, I worked as a rehab consultant for a bit. Um, yeah, on the ADF contract, so that was interesting. Um, so you see all sorts of things. Um, yeah, pretty much most of the guys that I had spoken to, they had some form of chronic back pain, and they... And all of them sort of attributed it to their, yeah, pack marching, uh, yeah, carrying, doing their jerry can walks, all that sort of stuff. Jeez, you got a spaceship there. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going for a walk. I'm getting more uh, essential exercise. Uh, uh, brisk walk. Brisk walk. Uh, and I've got a few cars driving past, so. Yeah, right. Um, so it's, yeah, so I was saying, yeah, so a lot of them, yeah, would come, would come in with, yeah, chronic back pain, um, and yeah, a lot of them, yeah, sort of thought it was due to, yeah, their pack marching, some of the training that they were doing, um, you got to think these guys are wearing packs that are 40, 50 kilos, some of them even heavier, plus all their gears, and 20, 30k sometimes for training, and then... When they're actually serving or deployed, they could be doing even more. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see them go through that. Um, so, when you see that, you'd, you'd assume that you're going to have some sort of back pain. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah. it sounds quite analogous to the uh, utility belts for police officers. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think... Um, got a few, yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, a few people have sort of said the same thing where they all believe, or they all report that, yeah, police officer has hip pain due to their belts, hip pain, back pain, due to wearing the belts. Belts are only, I think, they only go up to about 15, 20 kilos. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. That, yeah, so, uh, yeah, very similar sort of thing. Cool. Um, all right. Do you want to do you want to do maybe start with kind of I guess the why or some tips or something like that? Something that you've used or seen work? Um, well, I didn't really use anything while I was there. 
on the ADF contract because that wasn't my job role. That was I was consulting to make sure these people saw these uh, the guys in defence were getting to their appointments and seeing these people. So I didn't really get to sort of give them any sort of reasoning or treatment as such. So did you? Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, did on. you get to see what was being done? Or uh, like any of the prescriptions? I, no, I didn't see anything. I know, not, not the exact prescription. I saw like what sort of treatment they would do. So most of them would be some form of physio. Um, a lot of them was, yeah, manual therapies. Um, I guess in their, like, their PT session, their physical preparation sessions, they were basically just getting flogged. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you combine all of those, you, you, there's no wonder why they've got some form of back pain or back issues. Um, so from that, that's what I had to observe while I was there. Yeah. So, um, how about yourself? Yeah, look, I agree. I think, um, you know, this is kind of a classic example of, you know, we've talked about quite a few times now, kind of going too far to the psychosocial uh, spectrum and kind of forgetting a lot about biological mechanism, um, yeah, which a few people are definitely guilty of. I think this is a pretty clear, clear-cut example of where, you know, that, uh, I guess, biology and mechanism still does play a clear role. Um, you know, if, you know, we, we've talked about damage on this podcast before, what damage is, and we can't rule out um, the possibility of that in these situations. Um, be naive of us to do so. I think the uh, stigma that surrounds things like police utility belts, um, you know, marching in vets, uh, in, you know, armies, army reserve and veterans, um, probably doesn't help. I think the context probably, uh, you know, creates an environment um, pretty ripe for being ready to kind of be on the lookout for pain. You know, we've kind of talked about those, those hypervigilant examples before where if you get told, hey, this is going to hurt, you're kind of on edge looking for pain, thing gets more sensitive, by definition, things then hurt more. Um, so I think this kind of sets that example up. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think this is something as well that is more possibly attributed to load management. You know, if we're overloading someone yeah. and we're exceeding the uh, capacity they can tolerate, then, you yeah. They're going to have pain. Yeah. I think, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a combination of all of these. Um, I know, yeah, from like the army example, they basically get flogged as much as possible to prepare them for like what may happen over deployment. So they basically, yeah, yeah. try to get them overreaching and then obviously something's got to go, something's got to give there. They may, yeah, they may not have any damage as such, but... Generally, the focus will be on their back, backs, most of the time. Back or arm um, and knees seem to be the two biggest things. Yeah, for sure. For, uh, for, for vets, from, from what I've seen, uh, but I 
I guess, yeah, very similar sort of things where they, yeah, like you said, overload, try and flog them. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, which is quite interesting too, because if you look at it, you know, from a perspective of uh, training um, and physical preparation, it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's not analogous to the training that they will or should receive from um, like tactical SNC. You know, in, in kind of tactical SNC, you're not going to want to, um, you know, do something like give a person extreme delayed onset muscle soreness who might be, you know, deployed the next day um, or is yeah. on deployment. Um, just doesn't make sense. Same for, you know, if you've got someone who uh, is a police officer or a first responder, you know, or an emergency, um, you know, worker, you don't want them to have delayed onset muscle soreness because it may um, decrease their ability to do their job and their job's pretty bloody important. Um, So it is quite interesting. It's obviously, you know, part of kind of the periodization but for me, it's as much as kind of looking at the load management proactively um, yep. more than reactively. And, you know, that's something that at this point in time, unfortunately, neither of us are in the position to kind of, you know, suggest or make those changes, but hopefully one day. Um, this one I'll throw to you. Tips to new grads. All right, new grads. So it's a good one. So I've seen quite a few new grads come through over the years now. We do like a student placement program, basically. Um, so we get um, I've got supervised in the last two years or so, at least. 20 or 30 new grads. Um, tips. Uh, you get, I guess it depends on the, a lot of them are, yeah, you get varying degrees of new grads. You get some new grads that are doing the, the, the course because they just wanted to go to uni and they just wanted to do a uni course. And this was... Basically, the course was basically the easiest thing to get in or the closest thing they could get into, like, a medical or in medicine. So they don't have a passion for for exercise or for... Um, not that they don't have a passion for helping people, but you can see the passions on there. So they sort of just cruise through and sort of... Yeah, just cruise through and do a fair bit of it to get they use it as a stepping stone into going into say maybe physio or, or something or yeah another another course it could be even be medicine um, so I've had a few students that have done that and you just can tell they're just not they're just not into it not into something you're not going to do well at it it's very simple as that so and then you got um, you got other students at the end, other end of the spectrum where they give 110% into it they're they're, they're practicing what they preach. They're, they're doing their own training. They're doing their own programming. They're always looking, trying to better themselves, trying to educate themselves away from what they, they've done in their course. Um, 
which has been really, which is good to see. Um, so, yeah, so you get like the two ends of the spectrum. The biggest thing I, I find is, I think the biggest tip is um, you, your supervisors are basically an open book. So try to get as much insight into what they do and what the job role is as much as possible. Um, you get, uh, as, as bad as it sounds, you get some grads that think that they're quite, They probably they might be top of their class, that sort of thing, and they come in quite arrogant, thinking they know a lot, and then they step into a room and they're actually way off the mark. And they, and for some of them, it's a tough lesson to learn. To realize like they've got so much more to learn. They think they know everything already because they top their class, their, their class, and all their assignments and their exams. So they think they know they're ready to be the best EP or they are the best EP already. But then they come into the real world and it's like it's a whole lot more than what you know in theory. Mm. It's, um, it's that be, being able to build those relationships with, with your clients and with your with your patients, getting them to trust you, being able to problem solve. Like there's no, no, yeah, no two cases are the same. You get one person with chronic lower back pain and each individual needs to have an individual approach i guess there's still like a, a structure that you follow but people they're going to respond to different ways of of working with them so or if you've got yeah you've got certain conditions you've got certain and then you've got those comorbidities that so you have to take into account so uh the biggest thing is yeah use your your practitioner use your your supervisor and gain as much of an insight into their job role as possible so they know what they're, they're going into or what they're looking, what they're preparing themselves for. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's probably the biggest tip. Uh, another tip would be to, you've got to, you've got to do your own training. Um, for I sure. I've had come through and they've come in and they're like, like, oh, do you train? Do you go to the gym? Blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, no, not really. Like, oh, what do you do? They're like, oh, I don't really do anything. I'm like, okay, all right. And then, like, five minutes later, I'll be like, oh, can you demonstrate a squat for, for this client? And they can't even demonstrate a squat. If they can't even demonstrate a squat, how are they going to be able to break down a squat or actually help correct someone's squat or program a squat? It's, yeah, if they don't know what they're doing themselves, how can they do, do it for someone else? So that, that, that's probably the biggest thing. You've got to do your own training. Um, I think the biggest thing, piece of advice I've had um, while I was at uni was if you can't do the program yourself, you shouldn't be programming it for anyone else. Mm. Um, I'm sure you had the same piece of advice from the same person. Yep. <laughs> um, I think that's another one, another real big tip. Um, yeah, so they're, they're probably my three or four biggest, biggest tips for, for new grads or students doing placement is uh, yeah, more, more so on placement use your supervisor as much as possible in terms of getting an insight into the job role, understand what the role is getting them to explain why things are done how things are done um, what their past experiences are with other certain patients certain conditions, that sort of thing uh, the second tip, train yourself 
Um, if you're not training, get in the gym, start programming for yourself. Even if you program for your friends, start knowing how to program. It's so important. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, also, yeah, practice what you preach. Um, if you're going to program something for someone, make sure you can do it first. For sure. At least at a bare minimum, demonstrate it. Yeah. <laughs> correctly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, just, yeah. As a new grad, you don't know. Realistically, you, you think you know, you, you feel like you know everything because you might have aced your, your course and then you come out and you, you're starting back from zero. Build your knowledge, continue to build on your knowledge that you have. You've just got the basics, basically. You've aced the basics. Now, now they're the foundation that you've got to build from. I think that's the other, another biggest, biggest tip is, yeah. Yeah, perfect. As bad as it sounds, but you don't know anything <laughs> as a new grad. Yep. And you got to pull from that to some extent. Like some new grads are really good and do know a lot. Yeah. But in terms of your experience, you need to start again and, and, and basically I'm not earn that respect, but you got to build up that experience. Yeah, for sure. Uh, because, yeah, patients and clients see straight through you pretty quickly. Definitely. Um, particularly when you're, you're not able to build that relationship with them. So that, that's probably biggest, yeah, another big one. How about yourself? What do you have any new sort of tips? Um, similar sort of thoughts. Pretty much the exact same thoughts. The only thing I'd kind of tack on to that. It's only you know simply because the last two years I've been teaching, so I'm I'm seeing people graduate and and become these placement students and new grads. Was talking about so from from that yep. new uh, kind of exposure, I guess the one thing I'd tack on is finishing university. Uh, isn't a green light to stop studying and stop learning. Yep. Um, and if you align yourself with that and you continue studying and you see finishing university um, more as, you know, it's an achievement, it's an accomplishment, but it's kind of, to use a very cliched analogy, it's just your keys to open the door. Um, you still got to walk through the yeah, door exactly right. and you still got to, you know, continue. It's the only thing I'd add. It's basically giving you the tools. It's giving you the tools to be able to become that that professional now it's all it really has uni does oh well, uni does yeah. yeah for sure it gives yeah, you the tools sure. it gives you the tools to become a professional okay you got the certificate that's all well and good but you got to continue to use those tools and, and build from that oh sure because there's plenty of crap people with a certificate yeah that are like continuing education or um I've seen yeah uh, you see, I, I guess one example is you've seen people that have graduated 10 years ago and they're still practicing what they learned 10 years ago and they haven't shifted with the times. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't want to be that new grad. For sure. For sure. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Last one. Uh, must read books. Must read books. Mm. I think you can start with this one because I think ours would be very similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I know we're both going to say Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. Um, yeah, definitely. That's a book we, we read together uh, and we chatted about it too much uh, for too long, probably. Um, but to be quite honest, they're kind of, I know for me anyway, and I, I'm pretty sure Adrian will agree, it, it kind of really did revolutionize the way uh, I approach decision making 
uh, and the way I just yep. approach just thinking in general. Um, you know, it's allowed me. Yeah, it really changes, it changes those perspectives on, on thinking and oh, making yeah. those decisions. And it, um, you know, another thing I think you'll agree with here too, it's just allowed me to pretty much in every, uh, in every conversation in life has given me uh, an actionable approach to take a step back and see that there's always more sides. Um, you know, anyone on here who's had a conversation with me or even, even if you've had a disagreement about something, um, you know, a certain topic or area, um, you, you'll kind of notice that I will typically never be, you know, absolute about anything. Um, and I will generally, when engaging in discourse, I'll generally uh, question your argument rather than coming at you with my own. Um, and a lot of those skills yeah. are what I've learned from, uh, from thinking fast and slow. Um, yeah, definitely. Other great reads. Uh, in terms of this, along this kind of track, uh, in terms of for, I guess, self-development, um, what's another one? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is, is a great one. Um, the Checklist Manifesto is, is really good. Um, I don't know. A, a lot of them I, I kind of find are very repetitive. Like um, Subtle Art yep. was, was really repetitive read for me. Um, it kind of got to its point within the first like chapter and then just said the same point over and over. Um, yep. So Subtle Art was a bit tough for me to read. Um, I personally like reading um, things like Consolation of Philosophy, uh, things like that. I find reading philosophy yeah. does transfer into thinking. Um, yeah, definitely. I haven't read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, but it's on my list. Um, oh, yeah, I've gotten through part of that. So that's, yeah, a recommendation. Yeah, for sure. I, I knew you had that one. I've got it as an ebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else? I think. Anything by Stephen Hawking. I was just about to say that. I think it was later. His latest stuff. Oh, really yeah. Um, I was just about to say, like, you and I both read was it Brief History of Time at the same time. Um, yeah. Yep. I, I personally, I think we both said this. We both had to read the black hole chapter, like, multiple times just to comprehend um, the magnitude of, of what he was talking about. Um, yeah, Hawking's work is awesome. Um, Research-wise, uh, I put this on my Instagram as well. Um, the Structure of Scientific Revolution by uh, Thomas Kuhn and the structure or the logic of scientific discovery by Karl Popper, uh, two books that if you're into yep. or you want to get into research, are two books that I definitely recommend as well. Uh, and probably one of the most interesting books I've read would be uh, Sapiens. Uh, yeah. And yep. I'm currently reading. Oh, are you reading it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. We'll start it. It's awesome, hey. It is quite interesting. I'm halfway through his second one, which is uh, Homo Deus, um, okay. which is awesome so far. And then his third one is, I think, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Um, so I'll read that next. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sapiens. Sapiens is cool. I I just, I remember coming home like every day and just with a new thing I'd learnt, being like, holy crap, did you know this? Like, yeah, why would I know that? Um, yeah, cool book. Quite interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, have you got any others to add? I'm trying to think of others. We've read a lot of the same books. Yeah, 
Um, uh, there was there was one I was reading. Uh, hang on a sec. I got it in my bag. I haven't read it in a while, but I have read it. It's, uh, the athletic, the athletic brain. brain. I've heard good things. I haven't read it. I've heard good things. Read. Yes. Yes. Quite interesting. So, a bit of the neuroscience behind the athletic brain and, and I guess, how to, uh, how they differentiate between yeah, us as the uh, normal people. Obviously, they're the uh, endless hours of training and the mm. repetitive learning. It's, uh, it's quite interesting, and I get it taps into a bit of the psychology of the competitiveness as well. Yeah, so for sure. Quite interesting. Quite interesting. That sounds read. cool. I've I've heard really good uh, things. Uh, yeah, so that's been that's been quite an interesting one. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, two definite on. must reads for people in our field um, are "Explain Pain" and "Explain Pain Supercharged" by Butler and Mosley. Can't leave those out. Oh yeah, definitely. No. Um, yeah, I'll walk into my study and look at my bookshelf. So obviously we both, we both, we both. I guess we both read very similar sort of things in terms of yeah, philosophy, hmm. um, astrophysics, and then a bit of research and thinking types. What about uh, sort of fantasy? Fantasy. It's a must read for you. Man, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read a read fiction any. book since year seven. I didn't. I didn't actually read any of the fiction yeah, books in high yeah. school um, that were prescribed text either. I, I have a. I have an ability to be able to read something or just listen to something in class and pretty much just remember it and regurgitate it. So my quotes for the HSC were purely off the top of my head. I hadn't actually read the book i hadn't read mary shelley's frankenstein i didn't read shakespeare no nah. so i didn't read, read frankenstein. frankenstein i didn't read shakespeare oh. um i know i didn't read it it's actually quite good once you get around once See, got, i could always understand the language the, uh... of shakespeare really easily so when people because like most of the time you know like classes you'd like read it as a class um they'd be like oh go home and read the next two chapters and we'll discuss it I just listen to them discuss it. I'm like, okay, so clearly Hamlet did this. Um, all right, sick. And I just followed along. <laughs> I think the last fiction book I read was like the third Harry Potter. And then the fourth one was too thick. So I never read it. I read, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I read the whole, I read all of all seven of them. And I read the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit. Yeah, I've got The Hobbit. I did a lot of Fiction yeah, so yeah. I've, I've read all those. I, they were quite good. Frankenstein. That really was probably one that I read more too. of than the others. If I was being honest, like I didn't read all of it. I definitely didn't read all of it, but I knew yeah. I read some of it. Um, yeah, right. I can't remember fiction. Yeah. Oh, actually, oh, what was it? I did. I did read some fiction books. Oh, I forget the name of them, but I did read some. A lot of the reading I did in high school was just like sciencey stuff. I was always interested in science. Um, yeah, 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 same, same here. 
Uh, what about any biographies? Uh, Auto- so I've read. Have you read? Biography, uh, autobiography, um, Ando, The Happiest Refugee. It was a, it was a cool read. Um, I've read the biography okay. of, of Michael Jordan. Um, I've read some cool, there's like this really cool book I own. It's called Speeches That Change the World. Um, and it's like speeches from like Martin Luther King and um, just like all speeches that were super influential. It was really cool. Um, Andrew Gay's biography. Che Guevara, uh, just, yeah, stuff like that. How about you, biography-wise? Um, I read a couple of soccer players' biographies. They were quite interesting. Um, who's there? Um, did I read? There's one, I can't remember. Oh, um, soccer, uh, Alex, okay. uh, Alex Ferguson, his book. Uh, so it's a bit of a biography, sort of, and then more of a, I guess, a, a not a manual, but mm. how he approached being a leader and a, co- a head coach of a, a big, and how he developed them into such a big club. So Manchester United is such a big club. So that was a really interesting book, actually. There's quite a few good take-homes in that, take-home messages. Uh, oh, um, scientific Principles of Strength Training, Juggernaut Training Systems. Um, great starting book for strength and hypertrophy. Oh, yep. Um, yeah, Olympic weightlifting by Greg Effort for anyone interested in probably, weightlifting. Probably one of your tips. One of your tips. Yeah, I, I tell all my students to read that book. That's it. Um, that and the, the, there's a couple I tell actually. The, the newest periodization book, I haven't read all of it, but I flicked through most of it. The new book by Bumper with Dr. James Hoffman. Um, the new one, it got published like a couple of months ago. That seems really interesting because they bring in um, periodization of nutrition and psychology as well as training, which is quite interesting. It's very novel. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm reading that currently, like just on and off. I can't sit and read a reference text. Uh, Conscious Coaching by Brett Bartholomew. Oh, yeah. uh, that's pretty much it. I've, I've read some others, but... Uh, uh, my only other suggestions, I've only read one, but I've got the other two planning to read, are the Ben Goldacre books, uh, like Bad Science, Bad Pharma. They're, they're interesting. Um, I've only read one. I can't remember which one I read, actually. Then I've flicked through the other one. Yeah, fair enough. Right, so there's a, quite a few recommendations there. <laughs> so I guess... Whoever asks the question, they've got a good 20 books they can read there in this uh, Yeah, and if you guys have any recommendations for us too, let us know. Cause... Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Send them over. We're always yeah, I'm looking for a new book. All right, man. All right. Uh, that was yeah, all there was one that was periodization today. versus programming, but I've just asked to clarify uh, kind of the intricacies of that because the way I see periodization is the systematic organization of programming. Um, so can't really be comparative of the two because they don't really compare. They more complement, I guess, by design. Um, so I've kind of asked him, like I kind of like where the train of thought's going. I think it could be um, quite a quite a cool discussion, but I've yeah just asked him to kind of clarify what exactly 
um, he meant by the question. Uh, and if slash when he gets back to us, uh, we will be sure to answer accordingly. Yeah, definitely. Any uh, final final things to uh, add? No, I think that's it. That was a, some good questions there again. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for the questions, Ross. Keep them coming, guys. Keep the questions coming. Particularly in this this time period, it's always good to be able to answer everyone's questions. They're probably sick of listening to themselves or reading, so they probably just want to listen to someone else's perspective on things. It's almost like a a one-way conversation for them. I've lost you, Mitch. Hello? Alright, so I think we'll end it there. Thanks again for all your input, guys. And we'll be back next week. Don't forget to send your questions or your book recommendations to us.